Aleluia. 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 Amen. We serve a great God. Amen. You may be seated. It is our distinct honor and privilege to be here with you in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Amen. Uh, my dad was born in Wisconsin <laughs> many years ago. Uh, so we've always enjoyed coming to Wisconsin, and it's good to be with Brother and Sister Parker. Uh, I was thinking uh, this week, you know, resting and resting, enjoying fellowship, eating together, and resting some more. So when, when you know, they've been to Uganda. You know that, don't you? And I work him to death. I kept him as busy as I could. And I come to see him, and he makes me rest and rest. <laughs> so I think it's not quite fair, but I've enjoyed it so much. I have really enjoyed being with you here. And uh, so we are here today to uh, show to you, give you a report of what God is doing in Uganda. Amen. Praise God. Uh, I, I think most of you should know where Uganda is. Africa? <laughs> East Africa. Uganda is about the size of Montana. Uh, we have 38 million people, 57 tribes. Uh, of course, that means 57 languages. We do not have a national language in the country. English is the official language but uh, probably maybe 10, 15% of people speak English. So most people uh, use their, their tribal language, which gives us a challenge in order to reach the people. So we always work through interpreters. Uh, at General Conference, uh, we, we interpret into at least four or five, maybe even six languages, so that everyone can understand. Because if, if you can't communicate, you're just wasting your time. We have to be able to teach them and preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Uganda is a kind of a unique uh, country. Uh, they've, they've been in trouble and fighting and, and strife for over 60 years. And even today, in the time of peace, we still have problems. Uh, the, the South Sudanese are fighting. They're coming across the border. Uh, the Congolese on, on, the, on the west... They're still fighting, and they come across the border. <laughs> and so we have problems. But through it all, God has raised up a standard with people that are hungry to know about Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So God has done a tremendous job in, in moving in the hearts of people that when you preach the gospel, you preach faith, you preach the apostolic message, People receive it, and they come and give their lives to the Lord. Amen. So in Uganda today, uh, we, as pastor said, we have 876 churches, and uh, every week new churches are established. I was speaking to the assistant superintendent at the picnic yesterday, and he was telling me that four new churches have started in his region, and uh, I know there's two or three more that have started uh, just in the last couple of weeks, as people, pastors, are reaching out to the villages and the trading centers close to their areas. Amen. And that's what it's all about. 
to let people know about Jesus. Amen. I enjoyed the lesson this morning. Uh, it's all about Jesus. It's not about us. Amen. And it is our responsibility. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why should we hear the gospel twice when some have never even heard it once? When Jesus said, go, he meant the whole church. He did not just mean 12 disciples. He did not just mean 500 listeners. But he meant the whole church. So it is our work. It is our responsibility to preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. And uh, 38 million Ugandans need to hear about Jesus. Many of have heard the name. Uh, many people have heard about Jesus, but they don't know him. We need to bring to them a God that can be a personal Savior, that can be someone that can help them and live in them and walk with them. Amen? Praise God. So God is doing a tremendous work in Uganda. We, we enjoy being there because God has called us there. And uh, we are seeing some tremendous things. The book of Acts is still alive today. The church has, is not finished yet. He has not called us home yet. So we are still living in the book of Acts. And, and uh, the, the miracles and, and the wonders and, and the, the salvation of souls and, and what God is doing in the church is still happening today. Amen. And I enjoy preaching to people who, who love to see something happen in their lives. Amen. Praise God. So uh, I want my wife to come. and She's going to share with you a little bit about what she does. My wife works very hard and uh, works with our youth and our children. And uh, she does a great job. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be with you today in La Crosse, Wisconsin. I want to say, as we were singing, you know, I'm so thankful that I have the rock to lean on, and that's God. And, you know, I'm thankful that we have the rock of our fathers, who is the rock of our families. You know, we have to build our foundation strong in families as well as in the church. And I'm thankful for the rock today. Amen. I'm thankful to be here with Brother and Sister Parker, our good friends. I'm thankful for the hospitality. Thank you so much. They've been so kind and we're so appreciative. But I want to be thankful most of all for the blessing that they were in in Uganda. Pastor Parker, with his teachings and their kind and loving spirit, ministered to the Ugandans so much, and we appreciate their blessings and their ministry. You people do not understand how blessed you really are. You are blessed with a great pastor that loves you very much, a pastor that prays. You need to appreciate him. Amen? Amen. I'm thankful today that we serve a God that doesn't only do miracles in Uganda, but he does miracles in America. Amen? I have to say thank you to God for touching Brother Tolstead's eyes. Uh, A year ago, he was declared legally blind, but in March, God allowed a surgeon to perform a surgery, and he can see out of one eye. And I want to say thank you, Jesus, for your many blessings. Thank God. Amen? Amen. Some men trust in horses, some men trust in chariots, but I trust in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for that safe abode. I'm so thankful for the word of God today.
In the country of Uganda, I am blessed to be able to be the director of three schools, a nursery, primary, and a secondary school. I normally have over a thousand students, but this year, due to elections, people are afraid to send their children to school. And because of mobilization, which means people, the government has tore down people's homes and chased them, and they've had to move, children have had to move. But I'm very comfortable with 800 children. That's more than enough. And whatever God gives us, we will take. And I'm thankful for that. And I also have children from 19 different countries. Uganda takes in refugees. So we have many different children from different countries, which makes it a challenge, but God is good. Every Wednesday, our children are required, especially secondary school, and that's what you see here, is our chapel service on Wednesday at the secondary school. They are taught the Word of God. We teach them about baptism in Jesus' name. We teach them about repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and receiving the Holy Ghost, as well as life skills of how to live a Christian life. Probably 70% of my children are Muslims. Uh, in Africa, there is no such thing as a free education. Everybody has to pay school fees. Even if you go to a government school, you have to pay school fees. We are a private Christian school, and these children... Or their parents choose to bring them here. But we teach them the word of God, and this is probably going to be the only place they're going to hear about Jesus. And I'm thankful today for that opportunity. And after we came to the States in February and March, they baptized seven Muslim girls from our secondary school in the name of Jesus, and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for the opportunity that we have to teach these young people. Uh, I also teach Sunday school. Sunday school is much different here in Uganda than it is here. Most of the time, I think only one time have I ever taught inside of a building. I'm usually outside underneath the tree teaching children the Word of God. And it's such an exciting experience to tell them about Jesus. Uh, young people will sit and listen. We never have a discipline problem. I've never had a discipline problem because they want to hear the Word of God. And when I go to the village, I take a coloring sheet and one crayon for each child. And probably 90% of the time, that's the first time that child has ever had a color crayon and ever had a piece of paper. I have taught in the school, many schools actually, that have a dirt floor and the children are so poor they can't have papers and pens and they write in the dirt to do their schoolwork. You erase the dirt and you, they do the next subject. Young people, you need to be appreciative of the education and be glad and thankful that you live in America and have the blessings of God. Many, I would say all of my children would love to have the opportunity to study that you do. And I just want to say that we need to be thankful and grateful for the house of God that we have. We need to be appreciative of the pastors that you have. You need to appreciate your parents that care for you and take care of you. You need to be appreciative of your education, and you need to do the best you can do so that God can use you to be the best you can be for God. I love the Lord today. It's a privilege to be here, and God bless you. Thank you, Pastor and Sister Parker. Hallelujah. Amen. I told you our population is 38 million people, but uh, 50% of our population is under the age of 14. Most of Africa is a very young continent, every country. 70% of our population is under 24 and younger. So if you don't teach the children 
If you don't reach the young people, you're missing most of the people. So our youth and our, our children are very important in Uganda, and uh, we are very active in our youth ministries. Uh, just this last month, month and a half, we've had three regional youth conferences uh, in our different regions in Uganda. And uh, every place, they've had over 300, 400 young people. They came by themselves, and they worshiped God. And over 30 in each one of those places got the Holy Ghost. Many were baptized in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, uh, many of our Bible school students were, were there, and they were working hard among the young people. And that's exciting. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, we do want to say that uh, we are thankful for what the United Pentecostal Church is doing in reaching the world. The reason we exist is we obey the command of the Lord Jesus to go into the whole world. It's the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. Amen. That's, that's the only reason we exist. Amen. Praise God. So it's important that we send missionaries so they can hear the gospel message. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we, we are able to go when the church in America sponsor us and sends us so we can buy a few groceries, put a little fuel in the car, <laughs> so we can go and preach the gospel. Amen? So we thank you for your burden. Amen. And that's what it is, that we have a burden to reach people with this gospel. How important is it? Well, Jesus put a qualifying mark on his return. He said, I will not come back till the gospel is preached to the whole world. So it's very important for us. We need to reach people so we can go home, finish our work. Amen. And also, number two is thank you for praying. How could we do our job? How, how could we do what we do without the prayers of people? We need people to pray. And I find myself in situations where I say, Dear God, I need some help. And we begin to feel the power and the strength that comes from people praying for us, enabling us to be able to do what we do. So it's so important. If God wakes you up at night to pray, get out of bed and pray. Because we need you. We need that strength. We're in this thing together. I cannot do it by myself. You cannot do it by yourself. But together, we can do it. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. One of the great things we've done just uh, last year uh, was begin our Bible college, Apostolic Bible College. We started with 13 students. Uh, this year, our first semester, we had 24. And uh, we're beginning our second semester, the beginning of July just here in a few days, and uh, over 30 are expected. Uh, I only have beds, 30 beds. So someone's going to be sleeping on the floor. <laughs> of course, they sleep on the floor at home anyway, so it's no big problem. But uh, it's exciting to see young men who are on fire for God. Amen. Now, we, we do have a problem, and that is, is that you have to know English and you have to be able to write English to come to Bible school. And most in our villages, our young people do not know English. So one day we'll have to work on that part of it. But 
we are having young men that come and have a, a, a terrific burden to reach their own people. And that's what we want. Uh, when school finished uh, a few weeks ago, Brother Paisano went home. He was a youth leader there. And he preached that Sunday morning. Three people got the Holy Ghost. And as he was walking home, walking the path to his, his home, uh, he met a friend he'd been in, in high school with. And uh, the, the boy said, oh, I hear you are now in Bible college. And Brother Paisano began to share with him some of the things he was learning. And, and the end result of that, in a few minutes, Brother Paisano took his friend, who had never been to church, weeping and crying, took him to the water and baptized him in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother Job, one of our students, he lives in Mount Elgon on the Kenyan border. He got a message from his family. Come home. You've got to take care of some problems. So he left after classes on Friday, took the bus, arrived very, very late at his village, and uh, he got there very, almost at midnight. Now, we teach our churches, our pastors, that every Friday night you have overnights. You know what an overnight is? Overnight prayer meeting. They come before dark, and they pray all night and worship and sing and preach. Then when the sun comes up, then they go home. Well, he got there just in time to preach. <laughs> so the pastor said, you are here now, you are a Bible college student, please teach us. So he taught a small lesson from midnight to 3 o'clock in the morning. That was a small lesson. <laughs> well, the end result of that story is that on Sunday when he preached in his church, 26 people got the Holy Ghost. Eleven were baptized in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. This is what I want. I want young men on fire to preach the word of the Lord. To share what God has done with people. Amen. Now, if, you, if Brother Job was here today, he would just stand and, and you, you wouldn't even know he was there. He is so quiet and so shy. He wouldn't even look at you. Hallelujah. But when you begin to preach... You feel the power of God and the Holy Ghost. God uses him. Hallelujah. And that's, well, that, that's a great thing about Bible school. Amen? Amen. I, I do want to say about Bible school, thank you, ladies, for Mother's Memorial. Well, I heard a little amen from Sister Parker. Not a very big one. <laughs> Without Mother's Memorial... We could not have a Bible school in Uganda. We could not afford it. We just couldn't do it. But thank you for giving to Mother's Memorial so we can teach our young men the Word of the Lord. It's an investment in eternity. How can you put value on money because you train a young man and the thousands of people are going to receive the Holy Ghost through his ministry? The thousands are going to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Because you gave to Mother's Memorial. Thank you so much for giving and sacrificing. We also want to thank the youth for She's for Christ. Uh, how can I, I go preach without a vehicle? And I mean a tough vehicle. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I don't think we were many bad roads when you were there, were we? Were we? <laughs> uh, 
Many times I'm in four-wheel drive, low gear, first gear, crawling across the bush, mountains, rivers, crossing the rocks. And I, I tell my wife, I said, you know, Americans do this for fun. You know, but we're trying to get to church so we can preach the gospel. Well, we couldn't do it unless we had a tough vehicle uh, given to every missionary by Jesus for Christ. So thank you for your sacrifice and giving so that we can move and preach the gospel and reach all the villages and places that need to hear the gospel. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. So you are just beginning to fill the bucket. It needs to be full. Hallelujah. Now this picture is an older picture. Uh taken probably about 1956 or so. I am standing in front of my mother. My mom and dad were pioneer missionaries in South America in the country of Uruguay. Gloria a Dios. And uh, you see that old truck there? I, I don't remember what year it is. I, I probably a 53 or 54 Dodge pickup. Uh, but that is the second vehicle ever purchased by Caesar Christ. The first one went to Brother Drost in Columbia, and there you see number two. So I've been, all my life, been in Caesar Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you for giving to Caesar Christ, because it has moved the gospel all over the world. Literally, it has moved the gospel. In Uganda, we have a phrase that says, that preaches. You know, when I give a motorcycle to a presbyter, they say, oh, that, that picky picky, it preaches. You know, picky picky? Motorcycle. Because it picks you up and takes you places. Picky picky. That picky, it preaches. Hallelujah. She's for Christ. It preaches. Amen. Amen. So thank you for giving so the gospel can be preached. Uh, I want to show you some pictures of churches. Uh, in different conditions. <laughs> uh, you can see this is just a log frame. You notice the plastic sheeting on the front to protect from the rain and the sun. Well, it doesn't protect much from the sun, but protects from the rain a little bit. This is over by Mount Elgon. It rains every day. Uh, but that's one of the... Uh, when we start a church, we start usually under a tree in a pastor's home. We rent a schoolroom, wherever we can. And then as soon as you get some people together, they begin to build what we call a temporary structure. This is a typical temporary structure. Mud walls, grass roof. You see the, the poles on the outside? The trusses that hold the roof are resting on those poles. Because you don't put any weight on a mud wall. Huh? Because pretty soon it'll be on the ground. <laughs> you put them on those poles. And uh, we call them temporary because that's what they are. The rains will melt the wall because they're mud. And the wind will blow the roof away. And the critters will eat everything. You know, the grass roofs of these churches are perfect places for home for birds for snakes, for rats, huh? Yeah. And they kind of destroy the roof. 
Many times in church, well, I say many times, several times, when the drum starts, people start dancing, start jumping, start running, start singing, and they're worshiping God. There's a lot of vibrations going on in that building. Huh? And so those things that made home there, they poked their head out of the grass roof, and they say, what's going on? What's happening down there? And they lean too far. And they fall. Boom. Don't have to worry about the rats. They're like a cat. You know, they're, they're out, the, out the door. It's those longer things. They fall down and they, when they hit the ground, they get stunned. So then you can fulfill the scripture. You go pick up the serpents. <laughs> And you throw them out of the church. Hallelujah. Of course, me, I'm backing up as fast as I can go. I don't want anything to do with those things. Amen. Well, you got chickens going through the church. You got dogs. You got goats. You got sheep. You even got cows. You know, no one falls asleep in church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So we have temporary structures that they have to work on the roof and the walls uh, every year trying to keep things going so they can have church. Here's a brush arbor by Lake Victoria uh, where the church has started. Uh, these folks, when you get people together, uh, they will do what they can. They will sacrifice. They will work. But there's very, very little money in the villages. They, they, they survive by their little gardens. We, we, we call them a farm. You know, they're about an acre. Uh, but every, every family has a garden. And what they produce from that garden is what they live on. If an animal comes through and destroys the garden, they will die. If there's drought, like right now in a lot of Uganda, there's drought. People are eating one meal every three days. It's difficult. It is hard. And, and that's the only way that they can survive. They give what they can, but they just don't have very much. So when it comes to big items like a church house or things like that, we try to help them. But we also require them to do everything possible that they can do. I don't just hand things to them. Because you don't win doing that. People have to buy into something. They have to take ownership of something. They have to invest in something. Then it becomes theirs. Amen? So they have to give. And then they have to work. The men will make bricks. They will mix the mud, put them in forms, dry them in the sun. Then they will stack them like this. Then they will burn fire, firewood in those holes underneath to bake the bricks to make them hard. The women will carry the water. Men don't carry water. The women will carry the water. Amen. The men will dig the sand. They will cut the timbers. They will do everything possible so they can build a house for God. What we call a permanent house. Amen. Uh, so they will make the bricks. We will help them with the cement. They will build the walls. Then we will come with the timbers, the trusses, the iron sheets, and put the roof on. And they will have a permanent structure. 
that will last 50, 60, 70 years. They estimate themselves. They, they have told me that in the life of a building that's permanent, there will be over 5,000 people that will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in that building. Because of life expectancy, because of sickness and death, uh, you, you have to be in continual revival in order to keep the numbers up. And so the churches are in revival, and uh, many people come, especially when they see a building, a permanent building being built. It is a miracle to them. They never expected it. They never thought it would happen. So when they see one finished, they will come and marvel at a building in their village, at their trading center. And when they walk in to see what is happening, they feel something they have never felt before. They feel the power of the Holy Ghost. And they say, this is what I want. This is what I've been looking for. You see, most Africans are spiritually people because they've lived under the spiritual atmosphere of witchcraft, which is dark. There's bondage. It's fear. It's very bad things. But when you walk into a church with the moving of the Holy Ghost, it's not dark. It's not fear. But it's love. It is joy. It is peace. And they say, this is what we need in our lives. And they will come and they will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Anytime we build a permanent house, that, that congregation will triple, quadruple immediately as people come and they find their God. This is Pastor Baguma Joseph's place. You notice on the left his old building. You see some of the wall is already melted and uh, very small. You see my car right next to it so you can get an idea of the size. Very small. But then on the right you see the permanent house. We finished this in December, just a few months ago, and uh, within two months, his congregation had tripled. People had come from other villages, so he was able to start three branch churches. Since we've been in America, I've heard a report that he has started a fourth one, simply because a permanent house has been built, and people have come and found their salvation. So it works. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is a picture of the inside. We build them uh, 20 feet by 45. Uh, the windows are just, uh, we call them Pompeii's because it is hot. A grass roof is cooler, but like I say, that's temporary. Get a metal roof on there, it is hot. So you need some breeze to blow by. This is in Igunda, uh, and that church has really grown also. Uh, another project we're working on is Bibles. Uh, I told you we have 57 languages in Uganda. We have Bibles in 21 of those languages. Many tribes do not even have a Bible so they can read the Word of God. I have pastors that uh, have meetings on, like, say, Tuesday or Thursdays. Well, their, their friends, their pastors will come to their house. Uh, they will have refreshments, and he will read the Bible to them. And they will copy. They will write their own Bible so they can have the Word of God. Bibles are very hard to find and for them are very expensive. Uh, but in Kampala, we can buy 21 different languages for about $10 a piece that we can help our pastors uh, to have a Bible. 
How can you pastor without a Bible? How can you know what God wants us to know without a Bible? We need the Word of God. You can, you can see by these Bibles, you know, we don't have pulpits. We just have a table. And uh, they come and they put their Bibles there so they can worship God. <laughs> and no one will take their Bibles. But uh, you can see the condition of them. These are the best Bibles in the world. Huh? Because they're well used. A Bible is to be used. It's not to be put on the shelf. You need to use your Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. Had a pastor, uh, he won his friend in a neighboring village and baptized him in the name of Jesus and went to his church, baptized his whole church, filled them with a ho- uh, he preached and they got filled with the Holy Ghost. And he found out his friend had no Bible. So he had a Bible like this one. He took his Bible and ripped it in half and gave his friend half of his Bible, not knowing if he would ever get a Bible himself, a new one. Well, I heard about it, and so one day I was in his area, and I brought him a brand new Bible, and I said, I will trade you this new Bible for that half Bible. So we traded. So in storage... I have a half Bible, a symbol of a love of a man for the Word of God that his friend needed to have the Word. It's one of my treasures. The Word of God is so powerful, so important. How can we know the will of God without His Word? So $10 will help us provide a Bible to a pastor so that he can be a better, more efficient pastor. Uh, our third project we're working on in this deputation is, is uh, buying land for our Bible college. Uh, we just have one little room for a dorm and one classroom. Uh, but we want to develop a Bible school where we can have dormitories. Uh, we should have 100, 150 students every year. And what a tremendous blessing to graduate 100 young men every year. Amen. To start churches, be evangelist. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're, we're looking for uh, 15 sponsors, 5,000 each. That will give me enough to buy some land, build a dormitory, uh, classroom block, latrine, a kitchen to get started. Hallelujah. Amen. So God's helping us with that. Uganda is a country that has been under oppression for so long. Africa is called the dark continent, not because of the color of their skin, but because of spiritual darkness. That when the light comes, there is something that they say, this is what we need. There is a tremendous desire in the heart of Ugandans for truth, for the name of Jesus. Many times when we preach about Jesus' name, it comes to them and they say, Oh, we love this message. We love this doctrine. This is so good to me. This is so good to me. Hallelujah. Amen. And they love the Word of the Lord. And they want God to move in their lives. When they have nothing and they have no place to turn, they can turn to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here in America, we have so much. 
And we are spoiled people. God has blessed us so much. And we have so much. But, we, but the most important thing in life is not things or, or things in our lives, but it's Jesus. And Ugandans, they understand that, no, we don't have much, but we have the most important thing. And we have Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Every year in January we have our national convention. Uh, we call it a general conference, but really it's a minister's conference because only really pastors can attend uh, because they have a little money to come and transport. Most people can't, can't afford to come. They have to sell some chickens or sell a goat to have a little money to come on the taxis and the buses. And uh, this just last January we had over 600 pastors come. And uh, we had a tremendous, tremendous conference. Uh, Twenty-five pastors were baptized in the name of Jesus, received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't want you thinking that that our pastors are not baptized in Jesus' name, because <laughs> they are. These were Trinitarian pastors that came to check us out. They had been invited. Uh, they had heard about us, so they came to see. And as the worship, and as the word was preached, it was revealed to their hearts. And their desire said, this is what we want. And 25 of them were baptized in the name of Jesus. Uh, hallelujah. Brother Don Easton from Oregon is, is there in our place right now, uh, helping our Bible college. And he's been to two of their churches so far and, and baptized all of the congregation in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Another great thing that's happened this year, uh, we've gone back to our universities, uh, our youth group in Kampala Central Church, and uh, they're in three universities. This is a picture of uh, Makere University, 60,000 young people. And uh, <clears throat> so once a week we have a apostolic fellowship. And you see how many are attending. Uh, the last report I got, 17 received the Holy Ghost in this apostolic fellowship meeting. Notice, uh, you see some burkas. Huh? Are you seeing those? Some young ladies in the Muslim burqa. They go to university and they come to our fellowship. Why? Because they're looking for something. People are tired of dead religion. People are tired of denominationism. They want something real in their lives. They want something alive in their souls. Amen. And we are baptizing many Muslims. Amen. Hallelujah. We have baptized over 700 Trinitarian pastors in the last nine years. Why? Because they're looking for something. They're looking for something that will move in their hearts. They're looking for something that will move in their churches. Something that will touch the lives of people. They don't want status quo. They don't want just to be going through the formalities. But they want a real God that will move on people's hearts. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. We're excited about what God is doing among our young people in Kampala. Amen. Praise God. Uh, we, we travel very much. Uh, we're gone three weeks out of every month usually. 
And uh, this is, and most of our work right now is is along the training training pastors. This is a uh, pastors meeting training session we had in Lira, up in the middle of the country. They will walk. They will ride their bicycles. Like I said, sell a goat, sell a couple chickens, so they can come, and they come rejoicing in the Lord. My oldest pastor is up in the Lira region, 97 years old. Elias Ogual. I don't know if you met him. He's almost seven foot tall. You think all Africans are short? They're not. <laughs> He's a longo. Very tall man. He spent nine years in prison for preaching the gospel under Idi Amin. They arrested him for preaching. They didn't kill him because he had a couple of boys in the government. And after a couple of years, they'd let him go and say, Go home. Do not preach. They would arrest him later that day preaching at the market. He wouldn't even get home. They put him in prison a couple of years, then they'd let him go and say, Go home. Don't preach. They'd have to arrest him again because he's preaching at the market. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tremendous man. He was at this conference. His legs were so swollen. And I said, Pastor Elias, through the interpreter, I said, why, why, why are you this way? He said, oh, I had to walk a long way. And he walks with two canes. Why? He wanted to be in a training session. Hallelujah. And when he dances, he waves those things. It's dangerous. He's got two canes flying. <laughs> I was telling uh, Brother Miller yesterday, I had a pastor, Brother Joseph, got arrested for preaching the gospel, and he was in prison. Of course, our, our prisons are different than here, but just one big room, and they're all crowded in, and he was sitting there, and he says, well, I'm not going to waste time. I'm going to preach. Begin to preach. People started getting the Holy Ghost. Men were being healed. The prison policeman called the mayor to come, said, we're having a problem. This man is still preaching. The chief came. He was a Muslim man. He grabbed Brother Joseph and threw him out of prison. He said, don't come back. <laughs> Hallelujah. A fire burning in your heart. Hallelujah. You've got to talk about Jesus. You've got to preach about Jesus. The goodness and the mercy that the Lord has shown to us. Every week we teach a discipleship class in Kampala. Uh, the pastors come, the young men come. And uh, it is so important to get men grounded on the Word of the Lord. So many of our pastors and our men do not even have a secular education, and much less a Bible education. So it is so important for them to know the Word of the Lord. Amen? Uh, we also do, like I said, three weeks out of every month, we're out in the bush teaching apostolic doctrine seminars. And this is why we have grown. Because we will go to our churches, and on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we will teach doctrine. We will teach the Word of God. I will begin with repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus, Holy Ghost, holiness, family life. You know, we are a strong apostolic church. We believe in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one wife. I threw you a curve, didn't I? <laughs> Polygamy is very big in Africa. In Uganda, legally, you can have four wives. 
But in the apostolic church, we believe in ones. Huh? One God, one wife. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. We also have a session on questions and answers. Brother Rufus was the one in our sessions there in Chagagua, if I remember. And uh, we let him ask any question they want. And by the time we answer all the questions and, and whatever they, they want to ask uh, on giving, on tithing, on doctrine, on family life, whatever, by Sunday, they are convinced the Word of God has been preached. And we say, now it's time to be baptized. And every week, we usually baptize anywhere from 3 to 20 Trinitarian pastors along with many, many people. In the name of Jesus. And that's why we have grown from 30 churches to over 800 in nine years. Amen. It is doctrine. Now, we need to shout. But shouting won't take you to heaven. We need to sing. And we need to sing. But singing won't take you to heaven. It is the truth. The Word of God. Amen. Being founded in what is the right things. The Scripture. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. And Ugandans love the Word of God. Uh, every session, every seminar, we also have what we call open-air service. I want my pastors to understand you don't stay in the house. You have to get out. So every Saturday, and sometimes even on Sundays, in the afternoons, we will go out to the, the path, the training center, the road, and uh, we will have a service. And uh, like here, I'm preaching under a mango tree. Here they built me a little platform. And uh, I travel with a portable PA system and a little generator. And we crank that thing up. They tell me that uh, they can hear it three kilometers away. We have no, no noise restrictions in Uganda. <laughs> have you ever seen people run to church? I can stand there when we turn that music up and, and they begin to testify and to worship. I can see people running to church. A desire, a hunger. I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know more about the Word of God. Amen. And we will preach in the open air. <clears throat> in Bible school, they told me, don't preach more than 20 minutes in the street service. Well, it doesn't work in Uganda. We'll preach an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. And then we'll invite them to come. And in front of platforms like that or under a tree, people will come and kneel and repent, receive the Holy Ghost, and they will be healed. Miracles will happen. Because of their hunger, I want something real. We have found that most of our miracles and most of the healings we have seen in Uganda do not happen in the church, but they happen outside. Because God wants to show himself mighty to people. In the book of Acts, you will find that the miracles happened on the street. They happened outside. And everyone saw them and they said, what is this? What is happening? How do you do this? And they begin to preach Jesus. And that's what we do. The book of Acts is still alive today. Amen? Praise God. 
these next few slides are uh, testimonies of what God is doing, uh, of, of miracles and healings. We were opening a church in Palombe, uh, and after I preached, I invited people to come, and I told them, I said, uh, if Jesus is in the house, if you are sick in body, you come. And if you will come, Jesus will heal you. Do not doubt, but believe that Jesus will touch your body and you will be healed. You come and stand on this side. And if you want the power of God in your life, if you want your life changed by the Spirit of God, you come. You come and stand on this side. But if you notice the lady with the white headscarf, she came and stood right in the middle. Well, I thought maybe the interpreter got mixed up and, you know, a little confusion. Ah, no problem. So we began to pray with people. The pastors came and people were being healed. People were receiving the Holy Ghost. And I noticed that after this lady was prayed for, she started running through the church, screaming, shouting, rejoicing, dancing. And she was running to people. Pretty soon she had about five people following her doing the same thing. Then ten people, then twenty people. It was bedlam. So I asked the presbyter, I said, what is going on? And he said, oh, she's very excited. I said, yeah, I can see she's excited. I said, but what is the problem? Oh, she was blind. But when she was prayed for, Jesus opened her eyes. And she is going to people telling that Jesus has healed her. She is seeing her family for the first time. She is seeing her neighbors for the first time. And she is rejoicing in the Lord. We serve a mighty God. When you touch the hem of His garment, something is going to happen. When you reach out to Jesus, Jesus will not fail you. But Jesus will touch your life. He is the healer. He is the provider. Amen? He is the deliverer. He is not limited in power, but my Jesus is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything, anything, anything that I can think of. Amen? My Jesus is a big God. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 11, when John the Baptist asked Jesus a question, Are you the one? Or should we look for someone else? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that is to come? Or have we made a mistake and we need to go find someone else? Jesus said, you go tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. Amen? The dead are raised. The gospel is preached that Jesus told us. Amen? The confirmation of the apostolic message of the moving of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We don't need to go find someone else. We don't need to go find another God. That we have Jesus. We have His name. We have His power. Amen. Hallelujah. We don't need something better. Hallelujah. We got the best there is. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So whatever we need, we have it in Jesus Christ. Praise God. Sister Gladys testifying at church. Sister Gladys was the wife of a very big charismatic preacher in Kampala.
her husband was unfaithful to her, he got AIDS. Gave AIDS to her, of course. And in Africa, when you are very sick and you are dying, you are sent to the village because you are buried on your own land in the village. You're not buried in town. So he sent his wife to the village to die. But thank God, the neighbor was an apostolic lady. And so she went to her pastor and said, Please come, pray for my neighbor. She is dying of AIDS. So the pastor came and found Sister Gladys laying on the floor on her sleeping mat in a coma, almost dead, dying. And he knelt and began to pray with Gladys. After several hours, she came to, and they began to discuss. And the pastor began to talk to her about her salvation. And as he was talking to her, God spoke to him and said, Tell her she needs to forgive her husband. And as he told her that, she said, No, how can I forgive my husband? He was unfaithful. He has given me this disease. He has killed me. How can I forgive? No, I will not forgive him. And he kept talking to her, counseling with her. And finally, after a while, he said, let's pray. Let's pray that the Spirit of God will help you forgive your husband. Because you can't go to heaven with bitterness and hatred in your heart. You have to forgive your husband. So they begin to pray. And after a while, tears running down her face, laying still on that floor, he heard her say, I forgive my husband. I forgive him for killing me. I forgive him for being unfaithful. I forgive him. When she forgave her husband, God instantly healed her of AIDS. Not only healed her of this terrible disease that gave her strength, that she was able to get up. And before the pastor left, she was serving him refreshments so he could go home. There is power in forgiveness. You can't go to heaven with bitterness and anger and all those bad things in your life. The Christian virtue is forgiveness. We forgive. Jesus said in His prayer to us, Forgive those, just like I have forgiven you. There is power in forgiveness. There is healing in forgiveness. Amen. There's a miracle in forgiveness. When we forgive, God does a work in our lives and in the lives of other people. Hallelujah. Truly is a miracle. When you're able to forgive when no one else can. Amen. There is a power there that God helps us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, I smashed it, I know. <laughs> this is Sister Sifa. This young lady here on the bottom with a red scarf on, being prayed for. Sister Sifa, uh, she comes from a very strong Muslim family. At this time, she was about 16, 17 years. And, and uh, her dad was a very big man. Uh, when I say big man, important man in the mosque 
and also a big businessman. And uh, because of our culture in Uganda, witchcraft is a very part of their culture. And it's a very strong hold on people. So <clears throat> these people think that if they give something to Satan, they can have prosperity. So in Uganda, there's a lot of human sacrifice. So Sifa's father sold her to the witch doctor for a human sacrifice so that he would have prosperity in his business. Okay? Witchcraft is the worship of Satan. It is evil. Satan was, wants to destroy people. Everything about the devil is bad. He wants to destroy you. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you. He's not trying to help you. He wants to destroy you. Only Jesus cares about us. He loved us so much, He died for us. He gave His life that we can have life. Amen? But in, in witchcraft, uh, and it happens thousands of times every year, the police find bodies of children and young people. Uh, they've been sacrificed. But when Sifa found out, that her father, her own father, had sold her, she ran away. Where, where was she going to go? She had been to the apostolic church a couple times. Her friends had brought her. It is so important to bring your friends to church. And the only place she could think of that was safe was the apostolic church. So she came to the church. And it just so happened, you know, God does things interestingly. huh? It just so happened, I was teaching a seminar at the church. So she came to the church. When I finished my lesson, we had altar service. We always have an altar service after every lesson. And uh, everyone came, the ladies on this side and the men on this side. And, and uh, as pastors were praying for people, and I was going down the line. And when I laid my hands on Sifa, Bang! She fell on the floor. Well, we teach our people in, in Uganda, when you feel the power of God, don't fall on the floor. Because the charismatics teach that when you fall, that's the Holy Ghost. Well, we know by Scripture, that's not the Holy Ghost. Now, that, that, that is an evidence of the Spirit of God on your life, yes. But that's not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is when you speak with other tongues. So we teach our people... You feel the power of God, yield your tongue, speak in a language you've never learned, be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, and then if you want to fall, then you can fall. <laughs> but she fell. Uh, no big problem, you know. And we continued praying with people down the line, and it took about a half hour, 45 minutes. People were getting the Holy Ghost, being healed, and all these things were happening. Great altar service. It was hot. I was tired. So I sat down and got me a bottle of water, and I was drinking, trying to cool off. And I noticed that the ladies had drugged Sifa. She fell about here. They had drugged her up on the platform. And they were around her, and they were just a-praying. I mean, they were praying. There was no messing around. They were praying. And so the pastor walked by, and so I said, Pastor, what is happening and he said, oh, that's that girl that fell. I said, yeah, yeah, I know that. I said, but what, what, what are they doing? She said, well, 
When she fell, she died. I said, what? What do you mean she died? Yeah, she is dead. We called the police. They are coming. We have called the family. They are coming. She is dead. I said, no. No. Yes, she is dead. And I'm, I'm thinking all these thoughts. Boy, oh boy, do we got problems now. <laughs> As a pastor, this, this cannot be. This is bad. This is a bad testimony. You know, when, when people come to apostolic church and they get prayed for, they don't die. They get healed. They get the Holy Ghost. They can't die. No, she's dead. I said, this cannot be. Let's gather all the pastors. Let's gather all the people of faith. And just then the, the parents come running in and all the family and screaming and yelling. We sit them down and we gather around Sifa. There's probably 180 people praying. And we begin to pray that God would take this tragedy, this, this bad thing, and turn it into a victory. Amen. Because in Africa there are no secrets. And if people found out, people came to got prayed for and died, no one would come to church. So God's got to do something. So we begin to pray. And several hours went by. And I was standing there praying and asking God, God, do something. When Sifa sits up. Now, there were so many people around Sifa, the parents couldn't see her. That when Sifa stood up, they saw her. <laughs> they knew she was dead. Well, they lost it. They started screaming and yelling, and they ran out of the church. Well, here's the rest of the story. If Sifa had just come to church and been blessed, and then gone back home, they would have killed her. They would have finished the human sacrifice. But because in, in the apostolic church... God took her life and then gave it back to her in front of her father, had sold her, in front of her mother, her aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters. They all saw she was dead, but now she was alive. The father said, your God is more powerful than my God. Your God has more power than any witch doctor. I cannot touch her anymore. She is a child of God. She has God in her life. I cannot do anything to her. But God preserved her life. And today, Sifa is still alive. Attending an apostolic church. That God took her life and gave it back. This Muslim father said, My God can only take life. But your God gives life. Hallelujah. We serve a big God. He is a life giver. Amen. He's a deliverer. He's a miracle worker. He is a healer. That my God can do anything. Amen. Amen. There's not anything that Jesus cannot do. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. The last seminar before we came on deputation was at this place. We had driven to the end of the road, driven to the end of the path, 
crossed the fields, finally got to this place, and we taught Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon we had open air. And uh, after the preaching, we, of course, we invite people to come. This young mother brought her firstborn son, dragging him in the grass and the dirt. Couldn't walk. She'd pull him up. He'd try to take a step and fall. She'd drag him. So the pastors came. We prayed for him. <clears throat> after prayer, she picks him up. And it was starting to rain and getting dark, so she starts going home. Of course, you can tell he's a pretty good-sized little boy, <clears throat> little John. And uh, halfway home, she got tired of carrying, so she sits him down to rest a little bit. When she sits him down, he takes off running <laughs> and runs all the way to the house. Sometimes healing don't happen immediately. But you still have to trust God. The prayers still work. The name has been pronounced. The name of Jesus is still over your life. The miracle is coming. The answer to your prayer is still coming. You keep your faith in God. Hallelujah. So the next day we came and Sunday morning and she's sitting on the, on the very front there in the chair and little John is right next to her. And she's waving her hand, I have testimony, I have testimony. And so she takes little John and they march to the front. He's standing up there, big old smile on his face, just like a little boy. She has a lot of money in her hand. About three, four years salary. And she says, I have come to give a thanksgiving offering. Yesterday, Jesus healed my firstborn son. He could not walk. He has never walked. But now he is walking. You see now. You see him now. You see him now. He is walking. So I have come to give this to the Lord in thanksgiving. Now, in Africa, and Uganda, when, when someone wants to give something to God in thanksgiving, everybody wants to get involved because they want part of that blessing. Huh? Don't you want to be blessed? So they take an offering. Guess who took the offering? Little John. Marching around the little basket, big old smile on his face, just like any other little boy. And I asked the, the, the mother, I said, where did you get all that money? I didn't want her stealing money from somebody to pay Thanksgiving. <laughs> she says, no, I have been saving this for a long time. I have been looking for a better witch doctor. I have been looking for the best witch doctor. To heal my son. But I have not found one. But yesterday, I found the best doctor. I found Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 My Jesus is able. He is the miracle worker. He is the healer. Amen. Praise God. This is my last slide. Uh, we were... Uh, I think it was about November last year, we went to Karagutu at the invitation of Pastor Patrick to teach a seminar. Uh, we taught uh, all our apostolic doctrine. Now, normally when I teach, I will take my time. Each lesson is about three, four hours. And uh, I will read scriptures in English. They will, I will have a reader that will read in their language. 
And uh, in this instance, it was Swahili. And the man on the far right, Pastor Simon Gaba, was my reader. He'd been a preacher for 40 years with a Trinitarian Pentecostal church. And uh, so he was my reader, and he read every scripture on repentance, on baptism in the name of Jesus, on one God, on the Holy Ghost. And as he would read the scriptures, God began to work in his life. So on Sunday, we baptized close to 100 people. Uh, but Pastor Patrick refused to get baptized. He said, I'm a muse. I'm an old man. I do not want to change. So I told Pastor, I, I talked to him a long time. Could not convince him he needed to obey the Scripture. And finally, I told him, Pastor Patrick, I appreciate the invitation. I appreciate you letting us preach the truth. But I'm going to start a church in the city, in the city center, in the trading center. He was about three miles in the bush. I said, people are here are hungry for God. And he says, you do. It's no problem. But I'm not going to be baptized. I said, okay. We will pray for you. So we went into the trading center, began to uh, start a church. Sister Agnes here on the left is the pastor. And uh, these three men here on the right were, were these uh, Trinitarian pastors who have been preaching for over 40 years. Uh, but during the question and answer session in that seminar, Pastor Different people asked questions. We answered them through the scriptures. And uh, But when he stood up, he was a muse. He was the old man. And uh, he came. He knelt in front of me in the dirt of that old church. Tears running down his face. And he said, Pastor, this doctrine you are teaching, I have never heard. But as I read these scriptures, I know this is the truth. God has kept me awake all night. As you have taught these scriptures, these scriptures have been running through my life. I know this is the truth. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor, why did you wait 40 years before you came to teach me the truth? Why? He said it six times. Why? Why? Why didn't you come sooner? Why didn't you tell me this message? Why didn't you share these scriptures for me? I have preached for 40 years. I have started most of these churches. I have baptized most of these people. But I have been preaching a false doctrine. Why didn't you tell me? You know, how are you going to answer something like that? I said, Pastor Simon, I don't know. I am sure. God called somebody to come because he took Philip out of Samaria into a desert to reach one man, an African, an Ethiopian. And that Ethiopian was reading the Bible, but he couldn't understand it. So Philip began to explain to him about Jesus. Amen? Amen. They need to hear about Jesus. So I said, Pastor Simon, I don't know why someone didn't come. Maybe they were afraid. Maybe they had no money. Maybe they were not sent. For the Scripture says, how are they going to believe except they hear? And how are they going to hear except there's a preacher? And how shall they go except they be sent? That is what it's all about. To preach the gospel to every creature. 
Pastor Simon knelt there weeping. Finally, I said, but I came as soon as I heard. So I have shared with you the scriptures. So now you need to obey. He stands to his feet, still crying, weeping. He takes his old Bible, holds it above his head, and he says, this is the true gospel. I will be number one to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. How many Simon Gavas are there? I don't want to see another man like this man with an honest heart and sincere spirit come to me and say, you never told me. You didn't come and preach. You didn't share the scriptures to me. How many more of these men and women who are hungry, wanting truth, wanting salvation, wanting Jesus? It's time to reach them. Amen? It is time to reach people. So we can all go to heaven. Amen? So today, Simon and his two friends, I don't even remember their names, but they're helping Sister Agnes pastor that church. And uh, they started in December last year uh, with just eight, nine people. Today they're running over 80 people in Karugutu, in Toroko District, Rizori region. Amen. Because of a hunger and a desire. I need Jesus. I need the truth. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand together. Amen. Praise God. I want us to pray. Let's pray for Uganda. Let's pray for hungry hearts. Let's pray that God will help us to reach each one that needs God. And then we need to pray for Jerusalem. We need to pray for La Crosse. We need to pray for Judea, Samaria, that we can reach people that need God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray right now that you will lead us to hungry hearts, O God. Touch us with the Holy Ghost. Move in our lives, O God, that you will prepare our feet, that you will prepare the way to reach the hungry hearts and the hungry souls. That we thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, bless Jesus. Bless Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, God, I pray right now, Jesus. Lord, that you would touch the nation of Uganda this morning, Lord. That you would minister, Lord. Send labors, O 